Right then, we are back for episode six, I believe, of Wrestler's Court. My name is Joe Taylor. As always, I shall be your host for the day. So, quite a lot going on in the world of wrestling today. There's a few things I want to go through. I'm certainly not going to be able to cover it all because, like I say, there's a lot going on at the moment. Quite a lot of WWE stuff going on, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam and all that. And same on the AEW front with Forbidden Door and the build-up to that. So we're going to cover a few bits today. And then I've got a few little fun bits to finish off with today as well. So where I want to start today is it kind of builds off the back of SmackDown. So if you haven't seen SmackDown yet, you're about to get some spoilers. But I actually want to start with Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross is a, a really weird one for me. Uh, if if you watched him on NXT on the Black and Gold or at Impact prior, like that guy's good. He's he's really really good. He can wrestle. He's not like Kurt Angle in the ring or anything. I'm not saying he's the best wrestler in the world, but he can work a decent match. He's a good size. He's a bit of a weird promo, but I I, I like him on the promo. His entrance. It's got to be, what, top three in wrestling at the moment? Like, Karrion Cross's entrance, when he's with Scarlet, is really, really good. I, I really like his his entrance, and I want to like him. His booking's just been so bizarre since he got called up to the main roster, and I'm not even talking about his time under Vince, if that's what we're going to call it, when he first comes up. Now, I do think Vince kind of gets a bit of a unfair rap on this don't get me wrong the outfit they gave Karrion Cross was ridiculous he looked like crap but a lot of people complained that Scarlet wasn't there as well now it's since came out that she had ruptured her titty there's no real nice way of going around it that's that, that's what happened she wasn't able to perform she couldn't get in the ring she obviously couldn't take a bump or anything so they couldn't call her up as well and they are very much a two-person deal. He's so much more interesting when she's involved, and vice versa. Having said that, if, if we ignore his first run, when there was all of that with him, and then there was Bearcat Lee going on, both of these things were terrible. Let's talk about since Triple H has re-signed him, and I, I think he's been one of the more underwhelming signings, which is unfortunate, because I was really glad when Triple H brought him back. And it started reasonably well. They they clearly had big hopes for him. They 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 put him in there with Drew McIntyre, who is one of the biggest guys in the company. He's a big big name, two time champion, whatnot. So they clearly have high hopes for him going into that run. And I I don't know. I I don't know how much you have to blame Drew for this as well. Maybe he wasn't feeling the creative, which. It seems like he hasn't been with him not being there at the moment. But again, that's a different story for a different day. But the, the feud's a bit weird. Like he, he goes over and beats Drew, which is huge. Drew very rarely loses at all. I can only really think of Roman, who's beaten him outside of Karrion Cross recently. Obviously, Gunter at WrestleMania as well. But yeah, Drew only loses to top, top guys. So him losing to Karrion was... Again, a, a real sign that Triple H had real big hopes for where Karrion Cross was going. But the feud itself just felt a 
bit lacklustre. He then lost the rematch, and I don't remember him winning a lot since. To be honest, there was, yeah, it's it's true. I don't really understand what's going on. Um, he's kind of away. He's back, and then they make this big thing out about him making call outs of people, and they should be scared because he's drawn their card. And oh shit, Carrion Cross is coming after me, but. All that seems to lead to is they'll then have a match with Karrion Cross, they'll beat Karrion Cross, and then we just forget about it. The most recent two being Shinsuke, which was a really bizarrely timed one. It seems to me that one wasn't booked with any real thought into what's going on. They wanted to highlight the fact Shinsuke was back, which is great. Shinsuke calls him out, but then at the same time, kind of in this period, Shinsuke gets drafted to Raw. So he's only got a couple of weeks left. He has his match with Carrion and he just goes over clean, beats him, one, two, three, dead in the ring, and then he disappears and he's off on Raw, having a lovely time, going to Money in the Bank. Again, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But that really, that feud didn't do anything for either of them. I didn't really understand what it did for Shinsuke outside of he takes a reasonably big win, I guess, going into Raw. But if that match doesn't happen, it's still a big deal him going to Raw. They can still do everything they've done with him. All it really did was make Karrion Cross look pretty weak and pretty dumb. He calls out Shinsuke. He says all these weird promos about how his day of reckoning's coming or whatever. That's not the right wording. I can't really keep up with what he goes on in his promos. But he has the match, loses clean, whatever. He then has a week or two off again or whatever and then you see a promo and he, he he calls out AJ Styles and you know I'm thinking right okay we'll just forget the Shinsuke thing happened and they're, they're going to push Karrion now they're going to do something with him a feud with AJ Styles is great you're always going to look good in the ring with AJ and he's going to surely <laughs> he's going to beat AJ right he's not just going to lose again because this makes him look like the worst scary dude around because he just keeps calling you out and you then just beat him, and then he just disappears, whatever. But no, we then go into that match, and AJ beats him clean. One, two, three. He doesn't cheat. Karrion doesn't make a mistake. It's just one, two, three. Karrion Cross loses again. It takes out any legitimacy for him being any sort of top guy whatsoever. And I'm not saying he needs to be the, the top guy or, or whatever, but if I, from a psychology standpoint, if I'm a wrestler and... I get called out by Karrion Cross. He draws my card. I should be scared of that fact. I should think, uh-oh, I've got this big, tattooed, scary dude and his crazy missus, and they're going to come after me, and they are going to fuck me up. But really, if I'm a wrestler in SmackDown at the moment, I think, excellent, that's a good win for me. I'll get a win over a guy who people know, and then I'll go on to do other things. It's really, really bizarre. Now, I can only think that Triple H maybe agrees with that to a point, and that's why they're now going to continue the AJ Styles feud. I, I like the fact that he choked AJ out. I'm hopeful because his booking's just been terrible. I, I don't see him as anywhere near a top guy. I, I don't look at a Karrion Cross match these days and think, ooh, I want to watch that. I'm just not really bothered anymore. I just assume he's going to lose. Now, they're doing this match with him and Scarlett versus AJ and Mia Yim or Mishin, whatever you want to call her. What's a worry for Karrion Cross? I think, is the most exciting part of that is I'm really excited to see 
Scarlet in the ring. We haven't seen Scarlet on the main roster in the ring at all, I don't believe. So I'm really interested to see how that looks. I'm praying that Karrion Cross wins. I, I They've got to have Karrion pin AJ Styles, right? I, I can't see any way anything happens. My worry is that they're going to put Scarlet in there to eat the pin. The problem with that is, although it doesn't make Karrion look as weak, it's just another loss for him. And what is the point? Like, why does he exist? He's becoming Baron Corbin, which is not what you want. And I love Baron Corbin. I'm I'm team Baron Corbin. I'm going to put it out there now. That guy's really underrated. And I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to do something interesting with him in NXT. But sticking to Karrion Cross, if you go into this match and he loses or Scarlet eats the pin... What's what's scary? I should, what we need to do now is have Carrion with a big win. He he needs to beat AJ Styles and Mission, get the win. Him and Scarlet finally get a big win. They start to look strong again, and that's a slow build. Again, he doesn't need to win every match, but he needs to win some matches, and he needs his callouts to mean something. Because at the moment, being called out by Carrion Cross is not a scary thing. It just means you're going to get a weird promo done on you where he's going to be in the back and he's going to look all menacing with Scarlet and he'll have some other cards and there'll be spooky music. But outside of that, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Make those call-outs mean something. Let him have some wins. If he's going to call you out, let him beat the guy calls out a couple times. If in the final match he's going to lose to the, the babyface, I'm fine with that. But it has to mean something at the moment. It doesn't really mean anything. I think he needs to cut his hair as well. And this is from a guy with some floppy hair. But when he's wrestling and he gets all sweaty and his hair's flopping around, I find it really distracting. And I know I'm being really nitpicky now, but when he was a skinhead, when he shaved his head in NXT, don't get me wrong, it helped in NXT that he was so much bigger than everyone as well because they had mostly smaller guys, but he looked like an ass kicker, he looked tough. I'm not necessarily saying he needs to shave his head, but do something to stop it just flopping around in the ring all the time. It's kind of distracting from his overall persona, his aura. I don't really want to see the big, scary, spooky guy playing around with his hair. And again, I know I'm being nitpicky here, I suppose. It's because I had quite high hopes for his run on his, well, his second run within the WWE. And it's just not paid off whatsoever at the moment. I think it's been hugely underwhelming and I think Triple H has to take some responsibility for that as well they had an opportunity to really build him up even off the back of that Drew McIntyre feud and if anything his stock is just plummeting I'm less and less interested as the weeks go on so hopefully like it's it's not all lost he still has a good look he can still do a good promo him and Scott together are interesting but they're, they're starting to lose me on that now they need to do something and right now, what they are doing, it's just not for me. So, fingers crossed, because although I don't really see him being a world champion in the future, it's not impossible, but I, it's not necessarily where I see him going. A US title, or a real strong mid-carder, or to challenge the babyface world champion in the future, they've got something there. They just need to utilize it better. And at the moment, that's just not really what they're doing. Anyway... That's enough on Karrion Cross, but we are going to stick with SmackDown as that's what we've been talking about. And I can't really speak about 
SmackDown without mentioning the big return that a bunch of people have complained about, some people are happy about. I'm on the middle, depending on how they run this, but yeah, Charlotte Flair is back yet again, which is great to a point. Like, I'm a big Charlotte Flair fan. I do think she's probably the greatest women's wrestler of all time. She would be in my top 10 wrestlers of all time, regardless of gender. She's never really in a bad match. She can make everyone else look good. Her match with Rhea at WrestleMania, I thought, was the match of the weekend. It was unbelievable. Again, I would definitely say it was the best women's match of the year i think it was the best women's match in about four years to be honest like i can't think of many that were better it had everything and as much as Rhea deserves some credit for that absolutely charlotte flair deserves a lot of credit as well she has so many good matches and i i loved her match at mania against asuka i didn't like the finish but that's whatever the match itself was great and that gets on to where we're at now which is we get Asuka who comes out, who is the new champion, which I'm hopeful for, but not loving either. I, th- I think she looks slightly off the pace in the ring, but again, I think some of that is due to the ludicrously high standard I hold Asuka to. I, I think she's also one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time. But yeah, Asuka comes out and gets her new new design belt, which I'm glad they finally did. I was I was sick of the fact that she was the raw women's champion on smackdown i'm assuming on monday they're going to give Rhea her new belt that'll look something similar to seth's just on the belt front i think the belt looks great i have no real issue with making the women's belt look similar to the men's belt i think it means they both feel very legitimate you're not classing one as more than the other which in the past they have had issues with the women's belt divas title i'm looking at you but i'm happy with them looking the same obviously they've got the white strap instead i think the belt looks pretty decent i certainly don't hate it there is a lot worse looking belts out there so yeah asuka comes out you think something's gonna happen on a side note i don't necessarily know why triple h wasn't there to present the belt like he did with roman and with seth but that's whatever you get adam pierce out there who i I think does a really good job and then there we have it we've got charlotte flair in all of her glory and she is back and she looks physically like she looks in really good shape she looks different every time she returns which is whatever but anyway she comes out and then all of a sudden she's got a title match now if that's the full story i hate it and i get why everyone else hates it this whole idea that she doesn't wait in line, she created the line, all that story's bullshit. However, they're doing that match on SmackDown the night before Money in the Bank, and I was trying to think what possible reason they would put that match on the day before the pay-per-view and put it on like free TV, as opposed to the premium live event that they call them now. And... The way that I can see this working, which I quite like, and I'll I'll not hate nearly as much, is the idea of they've obviously got Bianca in the background. I know she'd be on Twitter kicking off about this as well. She's done everything that she asked, but yet Charlotte just walks in and gets the title shot. Now, 
on SmackDown, we do Charlotte versus Asuka. Give them like 10 minutes. Make it quite interesting. They'll, they're always going to put on a good match. Have Bianca interfere. Whether it be Asuka or Charlotte who wins by DQ. Doesn't matter. Double count. Whatever. I don't care. Bianca gets involved. They're all going at each other. They're all angry. You bring Adam Pearce out and you create a triple threat match for the next night at Money in the Bank. That's a big match. That's a match I would buy a pay-per-view for. Again, I know we're not buying because it's through the through the network these days, but you know what I mean. Like that that's a big, big match. That's three of the best women's wrestlers of all time. Certainly over the last five years, there's not been very many better wrestlers than Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte Flair. That's the only way I'm not gonna hate this. Now, I am pro WWE, I guess, but I'm certainly not opposed to criticizing them. If that match is just a one and done, if Charlotte Flair goes over that match, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. There's there's not a chance in a million years she deserves to just be off since WrestleMania, turn up, beat Asuka, have a title reign, and then drop it when she decides she wants a holiday again. I would hate all of that. It also would really take away from Asuka beating Bianca, which has to mean something. Bianca had this phenomenal year-long title run. She was great. As I've said on previous podcasts, I do think she was ready to drop it. I'm glad she has dropped it because she's now chasing again, which I love that that's where she should be. Her losing the title has to mean something. Just like, again, that's not the same, but whenever Roman drops his title, the person who wins that title has to hold that title for a, for a little while. They can't just drop it straight away because it has to mean something. If Asuka just comes back, and I don't think she's defending the title at all yet, and then she just straight away loses it to Charlotte Flair, I'll be the first to come on this podcast and criticise Triple H and WWE and the way they've booked all of this because it's all a mess. However, if we go in the triple threat match, and I suppose in the triple threat you can have all three go over, but I still think Asuka needs to go over, have her pin... Charlotte, especially if Charlotte's not going to hang around, I don't really understand what her deal is at the moment, but she's in and out. I like the idea of Charlotte or Bianca getting pinned because they ate the other person's finisher and Asuka just throws them out, one, two, three. Because then you get to go to SummerSlam and do Bianca versus Charlotte in a non-title match. You don't need the title to make the women's match interesting, and that's something the women's matches have always struggled with. They've always been either title matches or nothing. That's one reason I've quite enjoyed Becky versus Trish, which we'll talk about later, because there's no title involved there. It's just two women beating the piss out of each other because they don't like each other. Charlotte versus Bianca is an absolute money match. That could be up there with Charlotte versus Rhea. I also think that if we go to SummerSlam and you do Bianca versus Charlotte... And that match is anywhere close to being as good as Charlotte versus Rhea was at Mania. That solidifies Charlotte as the greatest female wrestler of all time. Because she'll have put on two of the greatest matches of all time against two world-class wrestlers anyway. But I think that just solidifies her legacy. She's still going to win the extra title. She's still going to be the 17, 18, 19, probably 20-time world champion which will be great as well she probably deserves it but for now i think keep her away from the title picture unless you're just going to go full-blown heel with her again she's certainly a better heel than she is a baby face but having said all that 
do the triple threat at Money in the Bank. And specifically, Bianca, don't put the title on her. Because I've had an idea for what to do with her as well that adds another layer to her character, as well as a few others. I think they should turn Bianca heel. There is a way to do this where you turn Bianca heel, where she loses the match. She eats the pin at Money in the Bank. Say she is misted by Asuka and then natural selection by Charlotte. Asuka throws Charlotte out the ring. One, two, three. Asuka wins the belt. Runs off, does a thing. And then you have Bianca turn on Charlotte and just beat the crap out of her. A bit similar to what Becky did. And we hope the crowd doesn't go with it. The worry is when she attacks Charlotte, the crowd are going to go nuts because they want to see Charlotte get beaten up. But in this instance, Charlotte hasn't just won. She's just getting attacked for nothing. But yeah, whichever way we do it, we turn Bianca heel. At around about the same time, we turn the Street Profits heel. Or at least Montez Ford heel, which I'll get into in a minute. But we turn them heel and we put them together. So you've got Bianca with Montez Ford. Everyone knows they're together. Turn them heel. Right now we're going to talk about them with Angelo as well. So you turn the three of them heel. We've got Bobby Lashley. Turn him heel as well. And you know where I'm going with this. We go to the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business was tremendous when it existed. I don't like the fact that they broke it up. It certainly didn't need to be at the time. I feel that Cedric and Shelton especially really got hit the worst for that. If you don't believe me, watch their match on Raw on Monday where they got decimated. But let's forget about them for now. And the, the Hurt Business, there's certainly a, a place for them. And if you have a new Hurt Business with Bobby Lashley, with the Street Profits, and with Bianca Belair, so we add a female to that as well. And then we've got Omos on the free and MVP. That's a strong, strong faction if you're going to put all of those together. Which does work, especially if there's been talk of in the future turning Roman babyface, repackage the bloodline, whatever. But that's a strong, scary faction. You've got heel street profits, which we've never really seen before. And I believe they're both good enough to do it as well. I think it's kind of the way they're going. I, I've noticed they've started wearing black a bit more, getting a bit more annoyed in terms of whatever. Part of that turning them heel, I think they need to lose in the gauntlet match and then just get pissed off and whoever's beat them, smash them, and they lose the gauntlet match as well. There is another way to do this, though, um, especially if they want to do a slightly smaller version of the Hurt Business, and that is keep Bobby Lashley out as well. And we get rid of Angelo Dawkins as well. Now, my one worry with turning the Street Profits heel is that they're not going to want to... People aren't going to want to boo them because they are really over. People love them. They're great in the ring. But there's been all this talk of when's Montez going to go solo? When's he going to get his run? Why not use Bianca as a reason why he wants to go solo? And you're going to hate them both. So you have Montez turn on Angelo Dawkins. He's just... Again, let's say they lose the gauntlet match or they have a match on Money in the Bank and they lose, whatever, it doesn't matter. But he turns on Angelo, finally beats the crap out of him, put him to a table, bust Angelo up, whatever. And then the next night, he comes out with Bianca Belair after she's already turned heel as well. 
people are going to hopefully boo, but if they're not, we then use the side, yeah, that he's turned because Angela was holding him back and Bianca made him see the light. His wonderful wife, who is the EST, she's the best. She knows best. She was the reason why Montez turned. People are going to then hate Bianca for that because they broke up, but because she broke up a tag team that they love, they're going to hate Montez for looking so weak because he's just doing what his wife says. That's a way to build it, and you then do the hurt business with Bianca, with Montez Ford, with MVP, and with Omos. Forget Bobby for now as well. That's still a strong core group, and you then get a chance to really highlight Montez Ford as the the best solo guy in that team. You've got Omos, who's still the solo Sokoa version, if we're looking at comparing them to the bloodline. But you've got Montez Ford as kind of the angry dude. But then you have Bianca, who really leads the team. A bit similar to where they're going with Judgment Day, where you have kind of no real leader, but Rhea kind of leads that team now. I think that's where they are going with that. Do the same version on SmackDown. You have Bianca as kind of the real bitch of the team she's just the best in the world she knows it she's sick of trying to come down and skip for everyone because you know what she's just gonna smash people at some point you then put the belt back on her because she'll have had a long enough break where we've really built this up montez maybe gets the u.s title he could be the guy that finally ends austin theory's run put some gold within that team mvp still fit enough to wrestle he can still do some tag team matches with mvp and omos whatever if you want to throw Bobby Lashley into that team as well and kind of make it invulnerable it then gives you the out long term because you do Bobby versus Montez split the hurt business up this is all long term booking but these are all just ideas off the top of my head to try and keep things fresh there is a place to turn the street profits together I'm just throwing ideas out what what do we all think here though do we turn them heel and they stick together and go with Bianca does Montez turn on Angelo? Does Angelo turn on Montez? And we try and keep Montez as this over, over babyface, which he can absolutely do. The problem is, because he's married to Bianca, you then need to keep Bianca as that super over babyface, which is fine and has been proven to be done, but it's getting a little stale. I, I, I do think that if we turn Bianca heel, it adds some more interesting things for her. The only downside with that is they don't have enough top babyface females within the SmackDown roster or at least not enough that are going to compete against her so they need to work out the balance of that but hey that's Triple H problem that ain't my problem pal but yeah that's where I'm at when it comes to Bianca, Charlotte, Asuka and the potential for a new Hurt business which I there's certainly a market for people still talk about them to this day let's bring it back it doesn't need to be all the same personnel Let's have some other guys shine. I do think Omos should be within that group as well because that guy does have a future. He's big. He looks great. The more good guys you put around him, the better he's going to get as well. And they can kind of protect him as best as they can as well. But yeah, that's where we're at in terms of the hurt business as well. What are we all thinking? Anyway, that's enough of, well, SmackDown in general at the moment. No talk of... The bloodline today, although I am enjoying that storyline still, and that was tremendous, the whole Jimmy and Jay stuff, and just a quick 
point to the sky to acknowledge my tribal chief, which I'll always do because he deserves it and he is the best. If you're not going to do it, I don't like you. Get that finger in the air, respect and acknowledge your tribal chief. But that's not what I want to talk about now. What I want to talk about is the biggest heel in the business today. And if he's not the biggest heel, he's in the top two. And I'm going to discuss number two as well. And that's right. It is Dominic Mysterio. Jesus Christ, does that guy have nuclear heat. And I get some of it's just for fun and the crowd are just booing him because everyone else is. But there is still a real portion of the audience that just don't like him. Think he's a dickbag. Don't think he belongs there. He's just there because of Ray. He attacked us. That Whatever. I'm first and foremost going to say I fucking love that guy. I'm going to a show in a couple of weeks that he is going to be on, I believe, or he's at least scheduled to be on. And I'll be the one in the crowd cheering for that guy while the rest of the crowd boos the life out of him. When he was a babyface with Ray, I didn't hate him. I know some people really hated him. He undeniably has had a real boost in his career because of who his dad is. But since they've turned him heel, he just gets it and don't get me wrong he should get it he grew up in the business he did the whole eddie guerrero is he my dad thing he's grew up around wrestlers his entire life he should have a better understanding than most but man he has embraced that chicken shit heel persona better than most the whole idea of him repeatedly hiding behind Rhea, the whole guy hiding behind a woman it's genius. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Rhea's a, a beast and probably beats up most of the guys on the roster, but we're not getting into that right now. But Dominic Mysterio is unbelievable. He, His entrance at WrestleMania is one of the greatest WrestleMania entrances of all time. Him and Triple H, one of Triple H's many WrestleMania entrances, they're like the best ones. I don't care what anyone says. It was great. He's picked up on... He's got that chicken shit heel just down to a T he does it so well and I think that it won't last forever and they need to capitalize on it now and I am coming on to who the other potential biggest heel in the business is right now but you'll see why I'm not going to mention them just yet because that's going to help me steer this conversation a different direction and right now I want to stay with Dominic in the ring he is all right he's certainly the weakest member of the judgment day with his in-ring abilities but from a reaction standpoint you've got to say he's arguably the biggest star on the judgment day right now and you loads of you are going to hate that i know it's rhea ripley part of me saying that just to wind you guys up but his reaction's bigger than rhea ripley's at the moment like that guy can't even talk there was this whole bullshit that some people are trying to spread where WWE are piping in the booze. It's been proven numerous times that's not happening where people have recorded on their phones in the arena and the booze are absolutely deafening. The poor lad can't even do a promo. He just wants to talk about how horrible his dad was and how he's the best Mysterio in the world, which he probably is. But... He's just so over and he's such he's so annoying and everything he says is not true and it's tremendous. It's it's some of the best heel work that's been done in WWE 
in years, and again, I'll take hate for that, is some of it cheap heat? Absolutely it's cheap heat, but it's good heat. It's so good. Now, I'm going to upset a few people with this idea that I've manifested in my brain thinking about this, just sitting around, what could they do with Dominic next? Because that's the one problem at the moment. I, I assume they're going to kick Finn out soon. And you could use that whole part of kicking Finn out where maybe Finn, uh, Dominic helps kick Finn to the curb and that's going to get more booze because people still love Finn. But that's not the way I think they should go. I think they need to put Dominic in a Money in the Bank qualifying match against anyone. I don't care who it is. Someone they don't want in the match. And he needs to win. Rhea needs to help him. The Judgment Day need to help him. Whatever. But Dominic Mysterio goes to the Money in the Bank match. Because what I will say is his in-ring ability-wise, he will be good in that match. Especially with people like Ricochet, who are going to be able to throw ideas to him when it comes to flying around and just... The guy can take some punishment as well. He can wrestle. But anyway, we put him in the Money in the Bank match, which, as of right now, you guys are probably with me right now and thinking that's not the worst idea in the world because we all know LA Knight's going to win it and it's going to be glorious. Or maybe Santos Escobar. I know some people have been really pushing that. But let's say LA Knight, that he seems to be the, the general consensus who people want to win. He gets to the top of that ladder, LA Knight, just as he's reaching... Dominic Mysterio gets the top of that ladder, kicks him off, Rhea jumps in, helps him, whatever. And the final image we've got in London is Dominic Mysterio holding up that title briefcase. Can you imagine the nuclear, nuclear heat that's going to get? The booze going down. It would be tremendous. Now, I know what you're thinking. What do we do about the cash-in? Do we have a problem like... Otis, where Otis won the money in the bank because he was really over and people loved him, but then WWE realised, shit, that guy can be world champion anytime soon, so we'll just give the title, the briefcase to the Miz, whatever. I don't think we do that. I've got another idea for even more heat, if that's possible. Let's cause a riot in London. An absolute riot. We open the money in the bank card with the men's money in the bank match and Dominic Mysterio wins people go fucking crazy they hate it it's the worst in the world we then have whatever other matches are going to be on that card let's say we have the triple threat I've just mentioned with the women's world title that could be fun tag team titles whatever we then have the women's money in the bank match which will be tremendous as well Fingers crossed my girl EO Sky is going to win here. Or Bailey, which I wouldn't hate either, but I'm going to talk about that on a different day. Anyway, and then we have Seth Rollins versus whoever. Don't care. Seth Rollins defends the world title. It gives the British public the chance to see the world champion in his prime, defends the world title. Let's just throw a name out there. It's against Damian Priest, let's say. They've been having a bit of a run at the moment. So, Actually, you know what? I've just had an even better brainwave here. It's against Finn Balor. So we do the Universal title rematch. And we do Finn versus Seth Rollins. See, this is coming to me now. I can feel it. I've got it all coming to us. So we do Seth versus Finn. This is while Finn's still part of the Judgment Day. And they have a barn burner of a match. It's tremendous. They go 
25 minutes and they just beat the living hell out of each other. It looks like Finn Balor's going to win because Damian Priest has got involved. Rhea Ripley's got involved too. And they're just doing whatever they can. There's been absolutely a bunch of cheating going on. They put Seth through a table. They hit him with chairs, whatever. Finn flies off the top rope. Coup de gras. One, two. He gets pulled off by Dominic Mysterio, who's came out now. Dominic Mysterio, DDTs. Finn Balor on the ground. And then Priest gets involved. Keep him with the judgment day. He throws Finn around as well. Dominic Mysterio cashes in in London that very night after Finn Balor has done all the work for him. He then cashes in. 619. Beautiful frog splash. One, two, three. The final thing we see at Money in the Bank in London is Dominic Mysterio as the world heavyweight champion. Just imagine, people would hate it. It would be deafening. There might be a riot in London. Fuck, I might riot. I'm, I'm up north in England. I might just riot just for the sake of it. It would be incredible. Now, he doesn't need a long title run. Give him four weeks and then the next baby. Lose it at SummerSlam. Lose it before SummerSlam. It doesn't matter. He's such a chicken shit heel. Put him in a cage match where he can't get outside help. And just, even if you put the belt back on Seth, I don't care. You just get that moment of just nuclear heat where... Imagine the promo on Monday night after Money in the Bank. Dominic Mysterio holding that world title high, saying he's the best in the world. He's the best wrestler that's ever been. He's clearly the best Mysterio now because he's a world champion. Ray's not going to be anywhere near a world title ever again. What are we thinking? Am I crazy for thinking this? Am I absolutely nuts for saying that this is a good idea? But... Honestly, I'm sitting here thinking about it now and I feel such clarity that this is the way that this should go. Give the belt back to Seth in four weeks. Give it back to Finn. And then you do Finn versus Seth three. Be tremendous. It doesn't matter. Dominic doesn't need the long title run. But that moment will just cement him as one of the best heels. It'll be one of the best heel moments. And what I love is that the IWC on Twitter, and like they will just it'll implode they'll go crazy they'll come they'll blame vince mcmahon for this they'll show that this is why aw is the superior product whatever it'll just be amazing to watch and i'm all for it and i mentioned aw for a reason because although i love wwe i do watch aw and there's certain things in in aew that i love or that i very much appreciate that they do and one thing that I appreciate at the moment is the only other person who I think is up there when it comes to Dominic Mysterio as the biggest heel in the business, and it's not MJF. It is, however, Don Callis, who I've not always been Don Callis's biggest fan as a person, as a manager, whatever. Good Lord, that guy has got some heat at the moment. The crowds, again... It's the only person similar to Dominic where that guy can hardly talk. Every week, they've done a good job since he turned on Kenny of just making him more of an asshole. Which, who knew Don Callis could be more of an asshole, but he is. He can barely talk when he's in the ring. The guys, like the fans, just won't, will not give him an inch the second he tries to talk. It's absolutely deafening. 
I'm interested to see what they do. And I know there's been talk of will he won't he with the Blackpool Combat Club or is he doing his own group with Takeshita or what's going on? Obviously, loads of people are hating Takeshita with that whole turn as well. This has all been booked great. Again, I've been quite critical of certain things AW do. This whole turn has been great. Him turning on Kenny was done. I wouldn't change anything about it. It was done perfectly. Him siding with the Blackpool Combat Club just to help fuck with the elite. Perfect. I'm all for that. If they're going to give Don Callis a new group, they need to make that group big and strong. And I'm not sure there's enough room for them to do that with the Blackpool Combat Club and having two big heel groups unless you move the Blackpool Combat Club to Collision, which I don't think they're going to do. So I'm not sure where they're necessarily going with that. I, I think they keep Don and Takeshita with the Blackpool Combat Club and just build that out because then the Elite can just build out and you can add a few more baby faces to that group as well. But yeah, who were we thinking? Don Callis or Dominic Mysterio? Who is the bigger heel at the moment? It's got to be one of those two. So I'm asking you who it is. Is it Dominic Mysterio? Is it Don Callis? And a third question, as we're here, whose work do you prefer? Because I'm actually, I probably prefer Dominic's just in a, I find him very, very amusing as well. Whereas Don Callis is probably more of a like stereotypical heel in that he's just an asshole and I do really want to see him get beaten up. And I can't wait for the moment that Kenny finally gets to just kick his head clean off his body. But yeah, who are we preferring? Don Callis or Dominic Mysterio? If you say MGF or any other heel, I'm going to discredit you and just say you're wrong. Because right now, those two guys are the top two heels in the business. And it's not even close. So, sticking with AEW... Um, I want to talk about Adam Cole and MJF. And I'm going to talk about the good and the bad here. Because if you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, do I want to see a feud between MJF and Adam Cole? I would have said absolutely not. Not interested at all. Doesn't do a lot for me. I don't think Adam Cole has done enough since his comeback. Or, well, in his AW run at all, to be honest to really deserve that shot um if you ask me after his match with jericho now that he's beaten jericho do you want to see him go against mjf i'd have said never in a million years that match was terrible it was one of the worst matches i've ever seen it was just awful like there's no getting around it like i don't want to sit and just complain about everything here but that match was not good it certainly wasn't befitting of a match to push you into title contention against one of the best champions that AEW have had and I do think he's up there I, I think probably he's in the top three best world champions that AEW have had if you're interested I think the other two are Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega but again that's a conversation for a different day but I had no interest whatsoever and as soon as I realized that's where they were going I thought Jesus Christ just what are they doing with MJF? He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, one of the best promos, one of the best heels, one of the best. Not in the top two at the moment, though, as we've just established. But MJF's great. I, I really, really like him. I, I think he is one of the top guys in AEW. And I know that sounds stupid because he is 
world champion, but you don't that doesn't necessarily make you a top guy. I I don't see Hangman Page as one of the top guys, and he was champion. But again, that's a different story. But I'm going to give Adam Cole and MGF some credit here, which is they did a really really good job of making me interested in the feud on Dynamite the other night, which was they got in the ring and they both spoke their mind. They they, they drew me in. MGF always does a good job with his his shtick when it comes to he's just going to be a dick. He's just going to be a real asshole. And he was. He went after the way Adam Cole looks and whatnot. Everyone's spoken about Adam Cole's body, which is an issue. The only excuse he's got is if he's particularly unwell, in which case, get well soon, Adam, but that's not the, the point here either. But they built it up, built it up, and then Adam Cole, I thought, was really good. I, I He was the star of the promo, which is very rare when it comes to being one-on-one on the microphone with MJF. He, the whole piss test talk was tremendous about who's going to be natural and who's not. Talking about the fact that Britt Baker could probably beat MJF up as well, which I love because they always kind of get talked about each other. Yeah, I'm really, I want to see the match now. I, I, I really do. I, I the, it, it certainly, need, I'm not saying that just off the back of one promo, they're ready to go. But if they can keep building and building and building in that way, I, I, they're, they're drawing me in now. Now I'm interested. Adam Cole needs some more matches and he needs some more good matches before then. They'll put him against anyone. AW, they have the luxury of having a ginormous roster. And with building Adam Cole again, or rebuilding Adam Cole, they've got enough people there who can put on decent matches with him, which aren't too competitive, because that is something AW, I think, struggles with. If, if they've got a guy who's going for the world title, he doesn't always need to be in a 30-minute knockout dragon brawl with a nobody. He needs to look strong. I, they had this issue where, was it Moxley against Evil Uno? And that match went 20 minutes and Moxley got busted open. It was crazy, but I digress. I'm in now. They've done a really good job because I was so far out. I was just going to actively ignore it. Luckily, I, I, I tuned in to Dynamite anyway, so I kind of had to watch it. And I'm glad I did. It's not great that that's how I felt going into it. But now, now I'm in. Let's let's build this feud. Let's get Adam Cole really pushing MGF. Let's get Adam Cole from NXT back because that was the best version of Adam Cole. It was. It was better than the Ring of Honor version of Adam Cole. It's far better than the version of Adam Cole we have seen in AEW, which at best has been average. Uh, I've not really enjoyed too much of what he's done. I was delighted when he went there, which was... Un- unusual but I-, I i was delighted he went because i thought you know what he's one with his friends he's with his his girlfriend he's going to be able to open up a bit more and i i did fear he would have got lost on the roster a little bit on the main roster with wwe samuel come at me and attack me for that but that's how i felt and then his run was just pff, meh whatever even winning the Owen Hart Cup that they do, like, that should have been something to propel him, and it's just, it's not quite clicked for me, whereas now, you know what, now I, th- I, th- I th- we've, we've got something, Let, let's build on that. Hit the gym a bit between now and the match, but we've got something. My issue is, 
if if I'm not a ardent wrestling fan, if I don't understand Adam Cole's career, if I didn't watch Adam Cole in NXT, certain parts of that promo, which were the best bits, I don't fully get because it's slightly too niche. Now, a big portion of AEW's fan base are going to go at me straight away and go, you should know, you should know, but this brings me onto a point of an issue I think AEW has that they need to address if they want to continually grow. And in addition to that, what I can say is Forbidden Door, Brian Danielson versus Okada, I'm all in. I cannot wait for that match. That's going to be Assuming they both put on a show, one of the greatest matches of the year, maybe one of the greatest matches of the last five years. The problem with that match is, again, if I'm Joe Public, those two names mean very little to me. Or I might know Daniel Bryan from his WWE run, I might be interested, but Okada means nothing to me whatsoever. And this is, again, this is going back into the issues with the MJF Adam Cole promo, which is AW have a really, really strong core fan base they've got like a good eight nine hundred um, nine hundred million they wish eight nine hundred thousand to a million fans who love aew and they love wrestling and a big portion of them love hating wwe as well which is fine hate whatever you want love whatever you want i'm not going to whinge about that now i am going to talk about that in the future podcast but if aew want to continually progress which surely they do, if they want to continue to grow and get bigger and become a challenger to WWE, which realistically they probably never will do, but let's say that that, that, that is the long-term goal, which surely it is. They want to be the biggest show in town. They need to appeal to more than their core audience. I understand what's going on because I love wrestling. I've watched wrestling for 25 years. I've only seen myself about five Okada matches. I'm certainly not a big Japan fan, but I know who he is because of who he is, because of what I love. I'm doing a podcast about wrestling. I should know these things. But if I'm if I'm a WWE fan, just for an example, because they, they should surely want to take some of that audience because they feel that their product is better. They put on better wrestling. They've got better stars, whatever. They need to appeal to that audience or just the general audience and not just assume that the audience knows everything because they do have the smart fans. Like, let's let's not get it twisted. WWE has smart fans, but AEW in general are the, the smart fans who love the indies, love New Japan, love Ring of Honor, whatever. They're going to love whatever AEW does regardless. And do you want to know why? They're going to love it because it's not WWE. Because I reckon 60 65% of AW's hardcore fan base will like anything that's not WWE because they like just to hate on it, which again is a conversation for another day. If they're going to grow, they have to appeal to more than just that fan base who are going to be there anyway. Like they've shown, they've been there through the thick and thin. I've been all over when it comes to AW. When it started, I was right up there. I then didn't watch it for a while. Then Punk came back and I was right up there. I then stopped watching it. I'm now back kind of up there going in the right trajectory again i'm hosting a wrestling podcast i've got a wrestling tiktok account i talk about wrestling all the time i've watched wrestling my entire life and i go in and out of it but generally their core fan base who just hate wwe or whatever are always going to be there 
But what they've shown is they've not been able to continually grow. They they've not stagnated, but they they've really slowed down their growth, and it's because they they focus too much on the smart fans and impressing Tony pretty much. To be honest, which is what Tony does, they need to start being a bit better when it comes to appealing to gen pop and again there's going to be people who are going to see this and go no man this is real wrestling fuck this they should appeal to us they already appeal to you they've already got you they've won you in they can strap fireworks to their boots and set them off and have exploding death matches and whatnot and you love it and that's great certain things on that list i love too but the general public don't give a shit and you're not going to get in general public by going Okada versus Danielson or having a promo between your, your champion and the challenger where they talk about or they reference a promo that happened in a different organization three, four years earlier with Karrion Cross. Because, again, if I've not seen NXT, what does any of that mean to me? It's great putting those Easter eggs in. Don't, I'm not saying take them out. But give me more reasons on top of that. Build on the fact that you hate each other. Whatever. Build on that storyline as well. Stop just assuming that the audience have seen all wrestling because they haven't. I've not. Nobody's seen everything. It's just never going to be a thing. There's just too much wrestling out there at the moment, which is great because we've got so many options with the Fed, with NXT, with AEW, with Impact, with New Japan, with with Ring of Honor. No one's going to watch it all. I wouldn't imagine. But AEW to be continually successful, if they want to make more money, if they want to become a bigger challenger, they need to be able to market to a bigger audience and stop being so smart. But again, I'm going slightly away from my main point, which was about MJF and Adam Cole. So I'm not going to finish on a negative today, but that is something they need to think about. But yeah, Adam Cole versus MJF. Keep doing more of that. Let's let's build that now. I want to see that match now, which again, I never thought I would. I would was. I was so far removed from wanting to see that match. Now I'm all for it. So definitely, definitely, do more of that. Build up your champions like that. Get the belt off Orange Cassidy, but that's just me. It's just not my thing. Whatever. I'm looking forward to that match. And yeah, Okada versus Danielson is going to blow my mind. It's going to be crazy. I, I do fear for Danielson a little bit because like his brain and whatnot. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, in terms of MJF versus Adam Cole, I'm going to give it out of five stars. That's right. I'm turning into Dave Meltzer. I'm going to give that promo a good three and three quarters, maybe just edging a four star promo. That has somehow won me back to wanting to see that match. So props where it is due. That match, I have my fingers crossed and I pray is going to deliver. But we shall see. Okay, so one last thing to go. Now this is just for a bit of fun. I'm going to chuck this out on TikTok as well. And I just want to go... I've seen a few people talking about this, but what are your guys' dream matches that that can't happen anymore because one wrestler's retired or dead or whatever but your dream matches because obviously we're just talking about Danielson versus Okada which to a lot of people is a dream match but dream matches that never happened and what, what got me thinking about this was listening to 
Bret Hart get interviewed and he was talking about how he would love to have wrestled Rey Mysterio. Boy, that's a dream match that I'd never even, never occurred to me, but that match would have been insane. I, I would have, those two guys in their prime would have been glorious. So that's actually going to make my list. Cause I'm, I'm going to give you three of my dream matches that will never happen, but that I would have loved to have seen. I think you're going to like the last one because in my mind, it's tremendous. And maybe you just aren't going to agree. But yeah, Rey Mysterio versus Bret Hart is number one. That match would have been great. The good thing about this this subject is we can keep going on it. There's an unending amount. But Rey Mysterio versus Bret Hart. Number two, Kenny Omega versus Triple H. That match would have been tremendous. Both of those at the peak. So we're talking about Triple H when he's jacked and he's just killing people. Pedigree and everyone. Kenny in his prime flying around, just putting on tremendous matches. Who's going to win? I don't even care. My assumption being if it was in WWE, then obviously Triple H goes over. If it's anywhere else, Kenny probably goes over. Don't care about the finish of that match. But those two in the ring, the build-up to it would have been tremendous. Yeah, that's number two for me. Now, number three, this is the one. The Young Bucks. They're the greatest tag team in the world. And this is a handicap match as well. Imagine how much fun we would have with this. The Young Bucks versus Brock Lesnar. That's a dream match for me. Just because I would love to see the Young Bucks try and get Brock Lesnar to sell any of their moves. It would be glorious just those two guys getting just thrown around german suplex like it's nobody's business matt might try and put a firework on his boot and kick brock lesnar but brock will just pull matt's foot off and put the firework up nick's ass it would be tremendous but yeah what are your top dream matches that never happened like i say the three i'm gonna throw out there there is a few more i've got one specifically that really really is a dream match that i'm devastated we'll never see but i'm going to come back to that but for now i'm going to give you ray versus bret hart kenny omega versus triple h and the young bucks versus brock lesnar what are we all saying anyway i have talked at you for long enough today so i'm gonna give your ears a break and wrap it up right now so Again, please don't forget to subscribe, share the podcast, tell your friends about it. If they can subscribe, the more they do, the better the podcast does, the better the podcast does, the more of them I can do, the more content I can throw out. Because at the end of the day, I'm currently doing this for free. So the more of you that exist, hopefully one day I'll start monetizing this and then the big books come in. I'll be driving my Ferrari and I'll be Mr. Wrestling. Mr. Wrestling 4? Because I don't think that was there a Mr. Wrestling 4. I'm going down a different subject now. This doesn't matter. But yes, this has been Wrestler's Court. My name is Joe Taylor. Thank you for joining me. And I shall speak to you all next week. <laughs>